Chief. Chief McClellan, how's everything going? Oh, things aren't going too bad. Men are taking it pretty good. You want to get on the other side of the road over there? Chief, do you think we'll be able to defeat these things? Well, we killed 19 of them today right in this area. Those last three we caught trying to claw their way into an abandoned shed. They must have thought somebody was in there. There wasn't, though. We heard them making all kind of noise. We came over and beat them off, blasted them down. Yeah, okay. Chief, uh, if I were surrounded by six or eight of these things, would I stand a chance with them? Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot them in the head. That's a sure way to kill them. If you don't, get yourself a club or a torch. Beat them or burn them. They go up pretty easy. Well, Chief McClellan, how long do you think it will take you until you get the situation under control? Well, that's pretty hard to say. We don't know how many of them there are. We know when we find them, we can kill them. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Well, uh, in time, would you say you ought to be able to wrap this up in 24 hours? Well, we don't really know. We know we'll be into it most of the night, probably into the early morning. We're working our way toward Willard, and we'll team up with the National Guard over there, and then we'll be able to give a more definite view. Thank you very much, Chief McClellan. <laughs> Man, all-time great. You've never seen the original Night of the Living I mean, Dead? I did this past couple of weeks. Uh, it was part oh, of oh. our It was part of our horror thing. Oh, that's right, uh, thing. that's right. So, yeah. Um, I love this movie so much, and I really didn't expect to. I know you had told me about it before, but this was yep, part of yep. our our uh, horror movie watching group. And uh, this original Night of the Living Dead, nineteen uh, fucking what year was this? Sixty eight. Sixty eight. Yeah, it is so fantastic. It is so much better than I ever thought it could ever be. And obviously, it's credited with creating this genre of zombies, yes. essentially. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 better than virtually every zombie thing that's ever happened. I agree, or I come agree. after it. And it's in like fact, crazy. the only thing that I think is is as inventive as this movie in the genre of like zombie subgenre of horror is Shaun of the Dead, and that's sure. only because it's a perfect spoof. But you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Right. That's only because those it two, flips it. You could just do those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I completely agree, man. And um, uh, you know, it's such a it's a champion of independent film and shoestring but all the stuff we kind of talk about but it's also yeah. uh, uh, how often do you create a if you think about it so zombies before this movie were always like sort of voodoo controlled people from the dead you know weekend at bernie's 2 style okay that's what I a zombie was, what it was that, i mean that, that's that, all it yeah. was like you yeah. had like old classics like white zombie okay. um with i think bella lugosi but but this is the creation of the zombie as we understand it to be today right uh, which I don't even know. I think they use the word in the movie, but I know they talk about ghouls and undead also. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, we I'm know what these sure are. I'm not sure that they point. use the word. I don't they may not. think they uh, do. Um, yeah. I know that in um, the one we saw, what was the Jim Jarmusch one we both saw last oh, year? Oh, God. Yeah, that was great. Well, forget <laughs> what it was called. <laughs> ghouls. Um, the reason they do that is because they, they call them ghouls for a significant portion yeah. of this. Yeah. But, um, but I can't, I recommended this before. I can't recommend it highly enough if you appreciate this movie. Um, and there's so much to like about it. I mean, just the 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 cultural allegory, right? Like the the sort of race. I mean, things the, that are the going fucking on too ending in is so yeah, shocking God, I mean, and oh, insane. Oh and, and and that yeah, guy yeah. that that uh, uh, chief of police or whoever he was, um, who's essentially the leader of you know any any counter you know uh, attack groups. Um, right. right. 
he's so fantastic and he's so it's, it's such a refreshing character so much better than all of the heavily dramatized people in you know walking dead or whatever oh, yeah. it's it's just like so straight he's so straightforward if you had militia so this is what the guy would sound it's like it's exactly right, like, right. <laughs> it's so pitch perfect and and it feels so real and despite what happens at the end i just think he's like a really yeah, good leader yeah. and he's very articulate about i mean right. he's more or less articulate yeah. about what needs to happen and very clear in his instructions to people so um, and definitely better not to have like a polished actor in that role. Exactly. Which of course they didn't. <laughs> yeah. um, but again, I, I've recommended this before. I'm going to recommend it highly, highly, highly recommend if you like this. What I like even better than this movie or yeah. any of the subsequent sequels is the documentary Birth of the Living Dead. You told me about which I know this. I've talked to you about. Yeah. You've got to watch it if you liked this movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it might be my favorite documentary on filmmaking that I've ever seen. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Well, I mean, it's just – it's so – fucking good and um talks a lot about how that you know we just were driving down on the weekends to this house because we could rent it for so cheap and just sort of shooting when we weren't at our jobs yeah. and how we would some send the film stock out you know when we get done and sometimes because the lab we were using was just like a local lab sometimes they'd be like ah we fucked it up you know we lost like everything we shot for like that week would be just be gone and we'd have to reshoot it and like you know the the yeah. news would come because we were in this little town i think it was in pennsylvania i can't remember where but you know, out in the boonies and news would show up because, hey, they're shooting a movie. So they'd be like, hey, can we can we uh, can we film your helicopter filming? Because we don't have any money. And they'd be like, sure. And then like it became like, <laughs> can we get in your helicopter? Like are you, they were like, yeah, we're not we're not doing anything today other than covering this. this I mean, just all of these I, things that because like we all watched this as a group and, and a couple of us had seen it. But a few of us hadn't. Mm-hmm, and we're mm-hmm. like, how did they get the money? They yeah, clearly didn't yeah, have any yeah. money. How did they get all this other footage? The this footage of them in on DC the fly. and the, yeah. the helicopter and the newsroom shit. And you're like, right. this is extremely right. well done. Well, How you always could have done the house, right? The inside of that. The idea yeah. was built yeah. around the no money, right? 100%, like, okay, we're yeah. going to be held up and it's going to be a, you're going to feel the tension one and we're set, all claustrophobic. You know, basically. So, yeah. Not and one of the, one, one of house. the producer or friend filmmaker guys, his daughter is the one who's in the basement who goes after okay. her mom. Like they woke her up one day and they were like, you're going to be a, you're going to be a zombie. And <laughs> she was like a big horror fan. And because it was black and white, they got to use like, you know, like chocolate syrup for blood. So yep. like it wasn't as traumatizing to her. I mean, so yep. many things played into it and it's just brilliant in that way. Um, nice. Anyway, <laughs> um, um. Yeah, there's our, our Star Wars theme. So um, Play that same anyhow, song again. anyhow, it's, it, yeah. it, it's great. I can't, again, can't recommend it enough. And Jess and I are going to watch it this week because she's never seen it. Cool. Um, and I'm sure by the time the podcast Wait, Night comes of the Living out, Dead or the birth of? Night of the Living Night. Dead. Oh, okay, original. cool. Um, I want I want to watch Birth of the Living Dead with her, but I, we got to see this one first. Yeah, sure. But um, because I think we will have seen it by the time this pod drops. If anybody hasn't seen it, even though we don't, you don't even deserve a spoiler because it's 1968 for God's sake. But <laughs> right. um, you know that ending yeah. where you know the, the gunshot happens. You know they talked to the there was an interview where they talked to that actor <clears throat> and he said, you know, m- my people. That's his quote, not mine. Yeah. As in black people would accept this tragedy more than the white man coming and saving me. And that speaks to like where we were racially at that time. And also, I mean, kind of now as well, I guess, but, um, but certainly in the civil rights movement, even beyond. And I thought that was interesting. He also fought it. The one thing he really fought against was him hitting the white woman. Mm-hmm. And even though in that situation, I mean, I, I think you'd really have to be like pretty liberal. He fought to be, against like, to doing that. that. 
he fought against having that on screen, yeah. even if that was the realistic thing that would have happened yeah. in that moment of survival. Yeah. Because instead of going universal and going realistic, he was like, you know, with everything going on right now, do we want to put that in there? I mean, without um, the race implication, it's incredibly satisfying. You're just like, this is fuck, <laughs> yeah, this guy's so awesome. I know. He's, I he's the be best part of the movie. Yeah, I mean, truly. yeah, come on. And right. he's the best part of the movie by far. And he's also incredibly well written. Like just as a character in a horrific, you know, uh, situation like this in, in horror movies, he's one of the all-time great in terms of how he handles himself and what he does and what the choices that he makes and everything. And then, yeah. you know, and yeah. then he yeah. <laughs> does that and you're like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but awesome. I guess I, I can see what he's saying. Um, I love it so much. Like I said, it's an all-timer. Yeah. I, I'm not a yeah. – you know, we say everyone over and over and over again we're not huge horror fans. But that is no, to me yeah. one of the all-time classic and it's best so horror good. movies you're ever going to watch. So totally appropriate for Halloween if you're looking for something. Yeah, totally agreed on all that. I think that uh, what I also took away from it – this is maybe – Maybe only me uh, that thinks this. But after I watched it, I was like, this movie reminds me so much of War of the Worlds, the Steven Spielberg one. And I know that it's kind of a different genre, but there's certain things about it that I was just like, okay. I I granted that a lot of horror movies like this are essentially – you know, a person trying to figure out, you know, the the, the problem and doing it uh-huh. very frantically because they're so uh-huh. horrified while they're doing it. But trying to be as pragmatic and practical and also like while saving people. Um, right. It just it, obviously all of that is exactly what Tom Cruise is doing in War of the Worlds. But also just tonally and the amount of basement stuff. There's like two base, two well, major basement The first basement thing that jumped sequences. to mind would, for me would be Tim Robbins, that whole scene Yeah, where you're but even before that, they're in the basement with uh, before the plane crash and, uh, you know, right. For a long right. time and there's just there's certain elements to it um that uh, i i thought tonally were just so similar um you know there's a lot of stuff like with the you know he, he goes inside the truck you know and and the and then the truck gets attacked at the end and that's very similar to you know night of the living dead um anyway so i watched war of the worlds right after it oh, just nice. to like you know catch up because i still right. think war of the worlds is so terrifying and when I saw it, I was as terrified as I'd ever been in a movie. Um, and I think it still holds up. Uh, I know not everybody loves it, uh, but it uh, it's one of my favorite Spielberg movies, I would say. And it also, even today, even with all the horror that I've been watching recently, I think it still holds up as like just a horrific movie. Um, right, which right. is, you know, mostly in the performances. Dakota Fanning sells it so much. She's just like totally oh, traumatized. Great. And uh, that's just a certain kind of horror that I just – I think I like more than all the rest. Well, you know, the thing that immediately jumps to my mind in addition to kind of being barricaded in and that idea, which is really the whole idea of yeah. the Living Dead, is th- both of these movies are a <clears> – we don't understand and we're not really even necessarily going to give you an explanation, but we're on the ground level with the common folk, right? Mm-hmm. And this thing hits and now you're running and it's truly mm-hmm. just a survival instinct yep. type of thing. And you're trying to negotiate with other people who might be going nuts, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't know if you can trust them, which is all zombie movies hit on that, right? Like yep. humans end up being the monsters as much as anything yep. else. And who can you trust? But you have to lean on people. Walking dead does this. Um, but I do think, yeah, that whole, it's in the middle of the night. Something happened. We don't know why. Now we're running and you may not get the answer, but it's just you yep. get so attached to the characters and trying to survive. Yep. Uh, Night of the Living Dead would be the version of that idea 
that literally could be put on stage, really. I mean, oh, outside sure. of, you know, like you, yeah. you're in that house the whole time other than that opening. What a wonderful kind of, um, play that would be. Scene. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but, uh, and War of the Worlds is the, the, like the opposite end of the spectrum, like, right? Sure. It's the Spielberg budget version. But yeah. I do think, yeah, I think you're definitely right. I didn't think about that at all, but now that you say it, like that definitely tracks. So anyway, um, great, great flick. Um, great for Halloween. Definitely worth checking out again. Absolutely. Um, well, this is a good segue. By the way, welcome. This is episode 32. Um, we <laughs> yes, are <laughs> yes, Halloween. We are yeah, just a few days before Halloween 2020. Uh, it's a weird time, weird shit going on. But uh, I think we all love Halloween. And we, you know, I know that on my end, I've been trying to watch as much horror as possible, um, both you like the both, fun brother. stuff and the not so fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got plenty of that to talk about. But let's wh- let's talk about some movies that we've seen recently. Um, what do you got? Anything fun? Yeah, uh, I, like you, have been uh, – this is kind of my one month where I do like a big intake of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I rarely see anything outside of uh, yeah. the, kind of the October month. I mean I'll see something if it's really good. But um, but yeah, I watched a couple in terms of like the silly things. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Dracula Dead and Loving It with Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> Jess and I watched that Actually, the other no. day. <laughs> I mean, you know, Young Frankenstein to me is like a top five comedy sure. ever and one of the great parodies ever. Dra- Dracula Dead and Loving It's another Mel Brooks one and not not in that category. I mean, it's much more kind of naked gun and and really silly but um but a lot of fun um if you're looking for something to laugh at from kind of that early 90s era uh-huh. there are some moments in that that uh really had both of us rolling um uh we also rewatched scream um, oh cool we, uh we have i've have not watched scream in years and um that's just such a fun meta kind sure. of horror comedy thing um did you ever see train to basan no i think i'm saying that right basan the the Korean, I think it's Korean um, zombie movie uh, on a train. Uh, worth checking out. Uh, again, it's one of the ones that's that's good. I know they do a thousand of them now, sure. but um, but worth checking out. It'd been one that had popped up on my recommends for Netflix like a thousand times, and finally we watched it, and both really got into it really quick and really liked it really uh, really quickly. Uh, we also watched Little Monsters. Which is pretty new, man. Huh. It came out. I think it came out last year. I'm trying to remember if I um, know that. Yeah, look it up real quick. Uh, it is my now my favorite Josh Gad role of all time, <laughs> where he plays just oh, a huge... there's a 1989. Yeah, that's Fred also, Savage. Don't uh, uh, don't check yeah. that one out. That's actually scarier than this one, by the way. Little monster <laughs> zombie comedy film. Yeah, no, I have yeah. not seen this, but yeah. uh, it's got Josh Gad. That's cool. Um, yeah, and Lupita Nyong'o. I would have passed over this immediately, and again because it is one of those kind of Netflix like sure. things. The trailer alone had me because they they advertised it so much as like a throwaway zombie streaming movie uh-huh. and then they were like academy award winner for <laughs> peter Lohan. like they sure, were sure. you know what i mean they, it, and it was like they leaned on that so hard they were like and academy it's award very, winner very high uh reviews yeah it's so, funny it's good it's not really check the that wheel. out that's great but yeah definitely worth checking out um, I, I also watched – we watched a super old um, kind of almost experimental horror movie. It seemed like an episode of um, Twilight Zone even uh, card ca- called Carnival of Souls. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. It no. kind of tracks right along with – it's a 60s flick and kind of tracks right along with Night of the Living Dead. Nowhere near as good, but um, mm. weird, uh, kind of more about tone. You know, almost like Repulsion. Not as good oh, as that sure. either, but you remember Repulsion? Almost I like Repulsion, where you yeah. leave and you're like, I'm, we're not really supposed to understand, I guess, what – what went down here, but, um, Mm -hmm. but this was something. Um, and then the only other one I wanted to mention 
Um, I watched an old uh, flick called The Raven, um, which is not even really based on the Edgar Allan Poe, The Raven. It's like the opening is him writing the poem, and then it just spins off in its own little horror adventure. Hmm. But it's kind of a comedy. It's a uh, Roger Corman flick. Okay, yeah. And it is one of the only reason I'm even really mentioning it is it's one of the earliest uh, Jack Nicholson roles that I've ever seen. And man, is it hilarious watching Nicholson play this sort of God, gothic horror really young straight oh, was, guy yeah oh, super 20, young 25 ish super young he was, wow that's yeah, wild it, it was something um oh uh oh actually not done um real quick uh pan's labyrinth uh, oh Jeff, sure never seen that we watched that i just fucking it's been a long time movie, i saw it man. when it came I, out i need to watch yeah. it again and and you know you know you know I hearken on uh, I'm not going to go on a tangent here but I hearken on Lord of the Rings all the time I don't think there's a lot of fantasy that's been done well like mm-hmm. I love that genre I, I'm really into that genre and I don't think there are that many I think it's the genre that has the least great films that's right. been made and that's part of the reason that when there is a good one I I I just think there's something about that that's harder to translate to screen for whatever reason right um and Pan's Labyrinth outside of Rings is to me the best example um that's ever been put on screen that I've found anyway in terms of that but it's also you know a serviceable kind of horror movie um and then the new invisible man was the was the other one that we watched oh had you not you saw seen that, that? No, had not gotten. I saw it in that, theaters. So it was, that. you know, pre-COVID. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. one of the one of the ones, but uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah, well, yeah, we tried to see it a couple times in theater, and just one of those things where like life got in the way each time we were going to go. And we ended up canceling tickets, and um, mm-hmm. so it was streaming. And we we're like, let's get around to this. And same thing, man. We both really enjoyed it and thought it was a pretty clever reinvention. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, the old school classic Invisible Man. No was made right there with Frankenstein, Dracula, you know, that first wave yep. of horror movies as we understand them now and those monster films, which are a lot of fun to go back to now as, as old and dated as they are. And Invisible Man is is scary. It's a scary idea, but it's very funny to go back to. And then, like, basically after that, you have 2000's Hollow Man oh, uh, God, with yeah. Kevin Bacon, and which is like you. a whole nother experience. Um and about as pervy as it gets. I mean, I, I <laughs> ashamed to admit that I enjoy that movie um, yeah. as totally insane as it is. This one to me was kind of like a recentering, and I really, I really enjoyed centering on the girl who's being tormented. I mean, if you think about like the original mm-hmm. Invisible Man and Hollow Man are both based around this guy, this psychopath who wants power and wants to use this yeah. ability for his own ends, whatever those are, and then. This one is more almost sleeping with the enemy where it's like, what if you had this abusive guy who was also a genius and then can get at you and just using the suit as, you know, the, the thing that, you know, you know, is causing the invisibility. You know what I mean? Like you're just b- more believable, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. I think uh, they handled all that really well. And I and definitely, uh, I definitely enjoyed this one more than I remember enjoying Hollow Man. <laughs> like Hollow Man was just stupid tonight. You're correct. I, I yeah, really, that is a bad movie I, that I really I'm enjoying. I'm not in any way championing championing um, that. Yeah, um, I want to be clear. So sure, anyway. sure. Um, um, but that's it for me. What uh, what uh, unless you got any comments on that? What have you uh, crashed through this? Um, month? Well, this is this is interesting. Late breaking news. Oh, um, oh my God! In the middle of our, I don't movie know that this is we're... true. This is on Screen Rant. Uh, Austin just texted this out. No Time to Die reportedly may skip theaters to release on streaming after its recently delay. sold by MGM. I mean, obviously, that's in a statement. Oh, here's an here's an updated statement from MGM uh, to Bloomberg. Um, they stated, "No Time to Die is not for sale." The film's release has been postponed. Da, da, da. 
Okay. Well, that's I know they had looked just, at, I, um, I read something that they had been looking into a $6 billion deal or something like that, for, like crazy deal for like not just this one to streaming, but then like all the bond rights to go to like one streaming service, like something mm-hmm. insane. Um, I don't even know the numbers for that kind of stuff because it's not the same as box office or for like one release. But that, I want to say it was like a $6 billion deal um, right. that fell through. But I don't know anything beyond that. And um, it would be, man, it would be really weird. I mean, these are unprecedented times, but it would be weird to not get Bond to the theater, especially for Craig's last one. Um, it but seems then like again, MGM is holding there. I mean, that, that would not be, gonna, I, yeah. I, I, I think there's too many people involved like Craig and uh, you know, director guy and everybody that would not right. stand right. for that. Um I, I just yeah I think that's wildly unrealistic, uh, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. That that seems to be an uh, a, a a a an incorrect reporting of a rumor. But uh, well, anyway, earmark this on. moment though, anyway, listeners, because this is the first time we've ever gotten a late break in the newsroom. Yeah, yeah, late right. breaking mid podcast, even though this will come out later and it's it won't so actually dumb. be it's live. So, so is anybody irrelevant. listening yeah. live right now outside of my dog that's sitting at my feet? Um, but yeah, I, but I still kind of love that this was captured. Um, Very funny. And also, one thing, since we're on that, before we jump back into the movies, um, I, I think still I would I want Bond to the theater. But we do talk about a lot how didn't both of us kind of discover Bond, and I think most people our age kind of discovered Bond and Bond marathons that would always come on like Thanksgiving weekend, and they were on TV, and you just get bits and pieces. Or am I? Is I'll, that just I'll, me? I'll say that I definitely watched those marathons, but right. my mom started buying me because we had a we always had a Columbia. Band. Columbia House membership and they did movies, they did CDs. And so oh, right she on. was very aggressive with that membership. And then we do the whole like loophole thing where you cancel and then you re-sign up to get, yeah, yeah. you know, 10 more free movies <laughs> right. or whatever. Right. Um, and the so I like it. we did that constantly. And yeah. so smarter, not harder. her, yeah, her, her uh, routine was that she got me, I've mentioned this before, but all the Roger Moore movies on VHS. Yes, yes. So I had those from a very young age, and I'm pretty sure that my introduction to them were was just my mom getting the tapes and going, here, watch this. You know? Right. So, um, and a combination this of before. watching it on TV. But, I think I've said yeah. this before, but my, a lot of our friendship I owe to your mom. <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, yeah. yeah there's a lot she, of the connection early on. She was got very passionate going. about me seeing certain movies um, because she was very supportive of the film collection. She, yes, the concept yes. of we like, talked, yep. we're going to own these and mm-hmm. they're going to be on racks. And we're going to buy racks for all the VHS. <laughs> and and then you're going to have your library and you're just going to go pick, right, you know, right. ones. And, and so uh, that's definitely true. And then the same thing with my dad because they were kind of divorced by this point where I was old enough to pay attention to movies like that. But, you know, and then I'd go to my dad's house and then it would be like every night it would be like after dinner we sit down and watch a movie. And yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of times it was the ones we already had seen uh, just for fun. But um, but same deal, just like big rack of movies, you know. Yep. So big, yep. big collection of, of VHS. Um, right. Anyways. Well, that's Let's, uh, for yeah, <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. Um, so just to blow through a few things I saw this week. Um, so, uh, part of my horror watching group, uh, was also watching creep show, which I had never seen. Did you say oh. you've never seen creep show? Yeah. I don't know that. One. I just want to touch on it real quick. Uh, creep show is a, I think early eighties, uh, yeah. Early eighties, uh, directed by George Romero also, Oh, right um, on. Just like Night of the Living Dead, that. but written by Stephen King, and it's a collection of short horror stories. So it's five short stories <clears throat> in movie form, 
And the middle one is starring Ted Danson and Leslie Nielsen. And it is easily one of the best shorts I've ever seen. Just wow. in, in terms of its, I, I should clarify, in terms of Creepshow is a very uh, kind of campy, very campy, but serious type of storytelling. It's really not funny. It is campy. Right, right. And the camp is not in service of a joke. It's it's a style. It's just, okay, the, the bad guy is going to be a guy in a rubber mask that looks like shit, but we're going to pretend like that's as horrific as anything. And right. uh, it's incredibly interesting, the style. Um, and I'm sure that's why a lot of people love it. But that middle one has a little bit less camp. It's a little bit more dialed into some some dark, dark, serious shit. Leslie Nielsen is not playing a comedic character, and it I is. I watch it alone for that alone. It is outstanding and uh, incredibly powerful. It was the one where we were all just like glued to the screen, like, "Oh my god, what the right, fuck is right. going on?" You know, right. and um, incredibly, incredibly good. Uh, so I'd recommend watching the whole thing, but also that one in the middle is, is really perfect. Um, so talking more about horror stuff, um, I did watch babysitter. Um, <laughs> the first one, I haven't finished the second one yet. I started it, but that was fun. definitely cute, is that definitely cute right? fun. Yeah. yeah fun. Just, just, you know, kind of basic fun horror, uh, right. for Halloween. Nothing modern. you're going to come back to, but no, if you're looking nothing, for nothing super special. Um, I saw labyrinth for the first time. Oh wow! Um, I I've never seen Dark Crystal either, so like I need to do all of that yeah, shit. Yeah, on the puppetry um, kick right now. But um, Labyrinth was I could tell that you know I just I'm too old now for sh- to for really sure. like sure. have it impact me. But uh, it's hard to ignore that it's just incredibly well made. From the yeah. the puppeteering is so incredibly dense and thorough and uh, detailed, and right. even the writing right. is incredibly like you know. Uh, good uh, and and right, solid right. performances from it's one of the pillars of the Henson sort of yeah, run. So so good. Um, and plus uh, Bowie's so much fun. Yeah, like, he's, he's just, wild. He's just having a blast. So fucking wild. That whole thing. Um, there was a thirty minute documentary called Tremors Making Perfection. Did you watch that? I, you sent it, and I was I didn't want to mention it because I thought you might bring it up, but I definitely watched it. Another just a lot super of fun, fun man. watch. Man. 30, like, thirty minute short documentary about the making I love of the Tremors. Loved it. And, uh, and you know, the things you don't think about, too, because we've gone out and we've shot stuff or tried to shoot stuff or help people shoot stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and low-budget stuff. And, like, when they started talking about, you know, this is all taking place in the blanket of sunlight really does make it more difficult for these giant worm things on a low budget. And I, yeah. as, many t- as much as I've watched that, it kind of embarrassingly didn't really occur to me that, like, oh, yeah, yeah we're also doing this in broad daylight. That's harder. Um, like, so that was interesting. How can you make something so silly – feels so kind of sort of horrific. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they, they, the worms sort of hold up, but it's a combination yeah. of many techniques that allows them to to hold up like that. And right. uh, and the design of the worm is very good. I mean, you see a lot of right. the behind the scenes of them designing it. And <laughs> Early on, it looked like a penis. And they had yeah, it, that it was literally fun. looked <laughs> like a penis. You're like, nope, this is too much <laughs> like a dick. Um, I also um, really enjoyed them kind of, t- you know, there's, this falls firmly into that that line of movies that is, Never going to really be appreciated when it first comes out. Yeah. But as one of those cable reruns or now streaming things that sort of just is fun and and catches an audience over time. I mean, it seems inevitable now that it would Mm -hmm. fall into that. But at the time, I could see how you wouldn't really know that. And until 
you know, much later. Now they yeah. made like eight sequels that we didn't. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Bacon was kind of saying that he's like, it's only now that I can look back and go, that's an amazing thing I did. You know, he's like, we, didn't, sure. we didn't feel For that sure. way at the time at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, anyways, I want to throw out a couple of recommends. Uh, recommend a documentary on Netflix called My Octopus Teacher. Um, that uh, is a uh, uh, it's a one man's documentary. He was a he was a camera operator or a cinematographer, and then he. Uh, kind of retired um, because he was really burnt out and he lives in uh, – I think he lives in South Africa or something. But he lives in the water and he just started okay. swimming in the ocean every day. And he befriends an octopus, like very legitimately uh, befriends this octopus. And so there's a ton of footage. It's very beautiful. Huh. It's very serene. And so it's a wonderful Didn't like nighttime that was movie. Yeah. And well, that's his whole point too is just mm-hmm. like how mm-hmm. – you know, how would you uh, – I mean we've heard that octopus – octopi are smart intelligent animals but this like kind of takes it to sort of a new level um but just fascinating footage and i highly recommend that um and you know it'll definitely make you think twice about eating octopus again because it's like they're just they're so intelligent um uh i saw a movie in theaters uh you know a week or two ago called the kid detective have you seen trailers (laughs) for it I have not. <clears throat> um, it's a it's a fun ish movie. It's a, it you know it kind of it kind of teeters on uh, not quite comedy. It's a it's a semi comedic noiry movie. Um, but the reason that it kind of teeters on on this verge is that it's a Canadian film. And I oh, say okay. that with 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 love because they just have a different sensibility. You know, it's not definitely, this American definitely. like, is it yeah, this yeah. or is it that? And it really just teeters on it's a noir that's got some comedy, uh-huh. um, but it absolutely plants itself in drama as well. Um, and it's starring Adam Brody, of, of all people. Um, like I haven't huh. seen him in anything. He was in yeah, that. Yeah. He was in that Crackle series. Uh, that original Crackle series. He was one of the stars of for Sony a while back. But like, right, what has he right. been in recently? You know. Um, yeah. And uh, he's perfect. It's like this movie was made for him. He's incredibly good. Um, and it's essentially about a kid who, when he was young was like the detective around town and he would like, you know, find people's cats and stuff like that. And then right. now he's 35 and he's still doing it. And so the setup is is very cute, but it's, you know, what he actually has to do and come to terms with in the movie of like growing up and getting away from your old self and all these things. Um, but that's a, that's a movie that's in theaters now. And because the AMC reopened in Thousand Oaks, I went out there and saw that. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I would recommend that. Okay. Um, I watched uh, the trial of the, Sh- the Chicago Seven. Did you catch that yet? Have not gotten around to that. I plan on it. Um, we're kind of man. We honestly are. We have been in such a Halloween kick that we've kind of kicked the other stuff yeah. out yeah. for a little There's bit. Plenty of other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would recommend that. It you know it's getting pretty good reviews. Uh, you know it's a it's a it's a definitely a high horse Aaron Sorkin movie, mm-hmm. um, but. I mean, who doesn't love Aaron Sorkin? I, I really enjoy most of Aaron Sorkin stuff, even the newsroom, which I think is kind of like lesser Sorkin. I still loved that show, right. even right. for all its faults. There's just something about his writing, and in this case, his yeah, direct, no. he directed it also. And, you know, he's he's a fine director, I think. You just accept his style or you don't, and I know some yeah. people don't. But if yeah. you do, there, there's nothing you can pick apart in terms of quality on his style. It's just yeah, I don't you're either so. kind of taking the leap of – that kind of yeah, dialogue and the exactly. way that goes and those beats and rhythms or you're not. 
And right, I right. think people that complain about him, they just kind of that doesn't work for them. That's fine. You know, subjectively. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a and fan. And for me, I'm and, good with it. Um, yeah. So I, I think you'll really like it. It has some of the best courtroom stuff I've seen in oh, yeah. a very Look, long I've been time. On, I was going to say I've been on board since A Few Good Men. So yep. you, you yeah. Had <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, he knows how to do that for sure. And the cast is just great. I mean, honestly, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is like kind of steals the movie. Him and uh, – um, oh, uh, Mark Mark Rylance, who's in all the Sp- Spielberg yep. movies. Yep. Uh, yep. Them two are like pretty pretty substantially uh, cool. fantastic. Um, cool. And the last uh, couple I'll mention, uh, I watched Borat. I finished Borat, subsequent oh, movie wow. film yeah. last night. Yeah. And uh, it's really great. It's genius and it's really, 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 really good. I'm excited um, for it. I, really I, I can't wait f- for you to talk, you know, be able to talk about it. Um, it's uh, very topical. It's uh, it, it, we're oh, in this yeah. weird time, man. Where you know that's a movie, that's a that's a feature film that would have been in theaters. That I would say at least the second half of it, if not the whole thing, was produced during COVID. Like it, right? It it, it obviously yeah. had legs before COVID, I think. But the story of the movie is so incredibly COVID related, mm-hmm. and I didn't even know that, you know, until you watch it. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't give anything away, but it it is fascinating. You're just like, wow, this is all sh- kind of shot in the last few months, you know, many months, um, and they it's just brilliantly weaved into uh, what's going on in the world right now. Right. Um, well, I've watched some interviews with Sasha Baron Cohen, and I would say that you know the biggest difference in this and the original Bo Rat, not that the original Bo Rat didn't go after anybody, but um, he seems so on and understandably so on a sort of mission um political I kick. politically but <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah i would just i would even just say in terms of like okay whether you agree with him or not his statements have very much been like i feel that democracy is at stake and mm-hmm. under attack i'm not saying that next year democracy ends he's right. like but i think when you observe steps towards bringing it down even if that's a hundred year journey you have to speak to that and try yeah. to answer it. and that's kind of how i feel right now um and that's just me um, but he's been very serious as the only person I know who has seen this so far, Kelly, can you tell me, um, your take Rudy Giuliani, um, totally innocent or <laughs> complete sleazeball, you know, you know, until I watched it and saw the entire scene as it plays mm-hmm. in the movie, mm-hmm. all of the news about it didn't really do it justice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say no, not innocent at yeah, all. Of course, come on. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I hesitate to even put any of my own opinion on it because it, it is still a movie and it is yes, still yes. edited. Of course, yeah, um, we know how that can happen. So you know they edited this sequence, um, and I, j- I would love to see the whole thing. You know, if if I guess the point here is that. You know, they did their best to present it as straightforward as possible so that people couldn't go, well, you edited out the blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, it's like, well, if you were trying to take down a public figure and you were trying to actually like, you know, indict him in the public opinion, then then, uh, you know, maybe maybe you should present it more factually than instead of in the format of this comedic project um because it it sort of loses its you know its legitimacy sort of 
Um, yeah, but, but at the same who time, need to see it right are not going to take it seriously because they're like it's ball rat. Exactly, exactly. That it's, right. it is kind of tainted there, but uh, but at the same time, fuck them. Yeah, of course, you know, fuck them. But I, you know, it's, I mean, I'll it's I'll crazy. bring up again. I'll mention again, and I, I think this this wasn't in Bo Rat. This was in another one of his characters. But um, we did get who was it that signed the waterboard <laughs> oh right so that was we, definitely we did get he, i think actual... he did that in um in the the um uh, i love america no that was bruno it was, was the bruno movie right or am i no, making no no i think no, he, it, was, he was an interviewer i, I think it was remember. in anyway. i think it was in that america show that he oh, had. okay um okay but you oh, know it's all this it's all the same yeah yeah thing. yeah no you're right you're definitely right it was the america show where he comes as three different characters exactly yeah 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 <laughs> well i mean that's essentially what this oh movie is it's, this is just yeah. a continuation of that show right, um right. Uh, but very satisfying and the, the the girl that plays his daughter in it who's the co-star in the whole movie is uh-huh. phenomenal like she's doing uh-huh. such great comedy um right so you have to see it we got to talk about it the last thing i'm going to mention and this is very halloween uh based is that the movie we just did friday for the horror group is the exorcist and i had never seen it um so you know if if you're one of those people that hasn't seen the exorcist please watch it it's a beautifully made movie like it's so much more substantial than i would have thought in terms of the story that they're telling and how mm-hmm. many roads there are in this movie all of these mm-hmm. characters and the depth of the characters yeah, just, yeah, yeah it's just full of, of no information right and then um and then the actual demon if you will is like was incredibly underwhelming to me um, because I was expected to be very terrified yes, yes. by it. But as as some of the friends in the group said, it's like that's not really where the horror comes from. It comes right. from the situation and what the mom's going through and, and you know, the things yeah. that are out of your yeah. control and uh, the, the loss of faith of the priest and all these things. Right, right. Um, a lot of, yeah, a lot going it on. It really comes from that stuff because the, <laughs> there's some lines from the demon that are fucking – comedic now there's a couple that are like you're just like what the fuck um i was gonna say this because um all of these movies and these they're all time capsules and any movie that lasts beyond its era really it's a testament to the movie in some way because it is a disposable medium and that's i think that's why i value stuff that is considered classic and still around so much but um exorcist you know is one of those ones that probably pops up as the number one horror movie on the top of list more than any other. Mm-hmm. So I was interesting to hear your t- interested to hear your take, but it also definitely speaks to where we were. I mean, people, you know, you hear the stories. People left that movie, oh, you know, just not knowing what they'd seen and and right. more terrified than they ever thought they could be, and feeling like, right. is this real? Is this a true story? My mom has told me so many times. I mean. She's a Southern Baptist girl. And and I think we take for granted, you know, the Internet, our connection to everything and and the difficulty in pulling stuff off now that you Mm -hmm. don't know about without you having any exposure to. I mean, this speaks to the ability of somebody like Sasha Baron Cohen to pull off anything. But but compared to if you grew up on a farm, you've seen, you know, the Ten Commandments and Ben-Hur, like the movies you own, (laughs) like my mom. And then somebody takes you on a date to The Exorcist and you... fully believe that exorcisms happen and listen yeah some people still do maybe they do but you fully believe these things happen and you got to guard against the devil and stuff i mean 
it to this day is what she will tell you is the scariest movie she's ever seen. Sure. Uh, she did not like the feeling of leaving the movie. She did. She wishes she had never seen it. She thinks right. it warped her brain in a way. I mean, so it is funny now, like you said, because I think some of the lines and things that the little girl as the demon said were so shocking and terrifying. And now the lines are so over the top evil, right? Like, I'm going to fuck you with a scary, you know, cross. Yeah, like, yeah. now we're kind of like, all right. Okay. Which we've seen it, a scary movie you, they've made fun you of. You obviously now. have to um, give lots of credit for the, the, the willingness to, to say that shit on film. Like, it's, it's mind blowing from the standpoint of what what they did in the right. era that they did it in right. but but yes but as as you know I, I, the alternative is you know watching night of the living dead you know there's not there's not anything it, it's just so grounded in feeling yeah. real yeah. um and uh you know the exorcist is i would say not grounded in feeling real yeah. it's grounded in <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in something very you know I, it's supernatural. Yeah. It, it yeah, is. Yeah, sure. it is in no way, you know, and, and granted, zombies don't walk around either, but there is something that feels so much more this could happen about Night of the Living Dead right. than, uh, unless, again, unless you're it fully embedded in the supernatural thing. Yeah. You, you may not, this is like a ghost movie, right? Well, People you know, if you're, they if you're religious enough, then yeah, I, I get it. Um, or yeah. of a certain faith, that's that's fine. But yeah, obviously. Right. Uh, you know, right. hit me differently. Um, so anyways, that's it. That's a good rundown of some movies. Um, there's some great TV I want to touch on real quick. This is going to be um, all you, man, because I've been blowing through movies and I have literally watched no TV. Uh, that's that's like fine. Month, I know. So. I know you watched the Dodgers game, though, last night. And that was uh, pretty. Hilarious. That was the scariest thing I've yeah, seen <laughs> in 20 years. Um, and Dude, just real quick. I man, was I, laughing so hard. <laughs> you know, the Dodgers are the one team in L.A. that I've, I've adopted. And part of that comes to, like I've talked to you about this, I'm a big sports fan, you know that, but uh, sure. it's mostly college sports where I come from. And in addition to that, the Atlanta Braves are kind of the one giant baseball team that represents the whole South. We just don't yeah. have major league teams. Yeah. So coming out here and the Dodgers having so much history and Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier and all these things, it was just like, it's just so easy to root for them, right? Yeah. And then like their stadium, everything about them, it's just a cool feel, right? Cool yeah. feel. Absolutely. And then for them to have had these really great teams and just break the bank and bring them all in for the last couple of years and come so close and lose a couple times and then to find out, hey, both of the teams that beat them were cheating to a degree that 90% of baseball fans or more want those titles stripped, but it's not going to happen anyway. So it feels so incredibly unjust. Mm -hmm. Then last year, they're finally going to get back and win when, you know, when people are like, well, they've lost two times, but they've still got one of the best teams. They've got injuries. They don't even get there. Now they're finally there again, right? We've gone through COVID. We're on all this stuff. And, then and it's, for the it, first three games, they're playing really well. I mean, and, they lost in the second game. And last game, night they were playing great. They were, it's a great it was, game. It was an amazing game. And they, it and they were feel so a little bit tight cursed. the feels whole time. Yeah. Two the, dropped balls. I, I have never seen a in play. The last, <laughs> in the last play. On the last play. play. In the last 10 seconds. Holy shit. To it was have, hilarious. To have two outs. Yeah. And have a ball that granted <laughs> was, was hit to a right spot. They're up by one. But the fielder botches it. If the fielder had botched it and they had ended up tying but hadn't lost, you know, lost the right, lead. Right. That would have been one thing. But if the fielder had botched it and then thrown it to the catcher and the catcher had botched it, which is yeah. what happened. Right. Still, it would have hurt. But yeah. the runner for the other team running so hard 
that he trips he on the way to like home, a- rolls over, gets up terrified because there's no way the Dodgers don't have the ball now, yeah. and starts run running back to third. Back to third. <laughs> so he doesn't even get up and continue his run. It was like a movie. Then he it sees the catcher so has no cool. idea where the ball – it was Bad News Bear style, it and was it was devastating, hilarious. and it was embarrassing. Oh, and of course, all those things. I had so much trouble even just <laughs> calming down and going to sleep last night. I, I can't believe they so lost the So the, the headline of the LA Times today, sports, was Rocky pitcher horror show and it was uh yeah good headline. It was a good headline yeah yeah it's going it's going to be hard i mean sports really are we would have been mental up as well we would have been up three to one three one we would have much been a wrap yeah and now we're like tied that. and that just means anything could happen and now so. they have to come o- get over one of the biggest hurdles always which is it is a big thing mentally in sports where you or any kind of performance where you start to wonder are we meant to win this right. and with the last three years going against them as talented as they have a Ugh. team I mean, they deserve full credit if they get over it. I'm rooting yeah, for them. I yeah, hope they yeah. do. I, I'm glad I don't have to overcome this because I am not mentally strong enough to. But uh, <laughs> but they also, you could see in this situation a team folding just in not getting over that mentally. I mean, that really yeah. is tough. And you're right. It was hilarious. And I it was just, terrible. I, I, could, I couldn't yeah. believe it. It I was a horror comedy for October. Um, okay, so moving on. Um I thought Lower Decks really ended strong. I know you watched it too. That, Super strong. That That's final true. episode yeah, was uh, was very satisfying, and uh, I think they're setting it up for possibly a good, you know, being a decent, uh, fun Star Trek show. Um, didn't didn't love all the episodes, but I, I really I really yeah, supported that that overall. You know, good. They took it. Um, and by the way, check out uh, Star Trek has an official podcast. It's like Star Trek, the official podcast of Star Trek, whatever. And uh, Mike McMahon. The uh, the showrunner of Lower Decks, creator, was on, and it, it was a wonderful interview because it's just okay. interesting to hear him talk, and he's got a lot of energy, and I, you know, kind of a young, frantic energy, and I think that's why the show has a young, frantic energy, um, and it's not a little. I, I would, I would, I would like it to be like twenty percent lower mm, energy, right, um, right? The show, at least, you know, and uh, and much like Shatner and his injury, <laughs> energy right. at ninety. I think it's a function of that guy, um, but uh, but he's also very good. What he has to say is very good. I would check that out. Um, so uh, Fargo's continuing. Um, it's my least favorite Fargo season so far, but uh, I mean, you know, there's still elements that are good. But until it ends, and I know how <laughs> where they're taking it, um, I don't know that I care too much. Um, right. But I did binge all of Boys season two. Oh, loved man. it. So obviously, good. love that so show. Good. Love that show. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one of the greatest things that I've seen in a in a thing in a long time was the kids blindside Lego uh, reenactment. Yes. Oh, and it was so God. short. It was just like a few Dude. seconds. But just the fact that he was doing it and it cut to it. And I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? And then you start to realize the dialogue that you're hearing. And he's like, thank me later, Bert. And you're just like. The fuck is this? I laughingly shouted out blindside so out loud. When fucking I that. funny. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, I'm going through all of what mom's favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Recreating all of them. Recreating what is there all to do when favorite. you're in a little house on a compound exactly. and you don't even know the world's not hilarious. Um, anyways, really enjoyed it. I thought uh, Aya Cash's, like, you know, storyline was really good and she's fucking great um, can we talk the deep for just a minute because i've been waiting <laughs> his storyline so, is so good storylines batshit and i can't so believe good. they're keeping it going because i thought at the end of season one i was like you know this is a fun thing to explore but there's nowhere to go with this now but no, season two was even better fucking for wrote me the for shit him. out of that <laughs> the moment i will honestly say and i think this show is brilliant my favorite moment in the entire 
two seasons so far yeah. is the moment where they are trying to outrun the dolphins on the speedboat. <laughs> and right ahead of them doing a full Derek Zoolander blue steel, out of the water emerges <laughs> deep, hanging onto the back of a whale with that look on his face, oh that male God. model look staring know, at him like, guess what, motherfuckers? This is my ability. Yeah. And the way that scene then goes after yeah, that yeah. moment, like that moment would have been enough to be my favorite the moment. The whale scene was some of the funniest shit I've ever seen. And yeah. him stealing the dolphin also and the dolphin flying out. I mean, there's yeah, just yeah. so many. Oh, my God. So many things. It's wonderful. Anyways, uh, check out the boys. Um and uh, it's on Amazon. Um, anyway, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so uh, Star Trek Discovery is back. Uh, the first episode was outstanding. I thought I'm a huge liar about not watching any TV because everything you've mentioned so far, okay. I've seen well, for you know. TV. Uh, but yeah, uh, what, what did you think about Discovery? Like, this is your the, favorite. You think it's found its footing? This is your favorite season? Well, um, first season I didn't like. Second season got a lot better for me. Um, but I still had a lot of problems and the problems that I have weren't even so much in the storytelling as much as, uh, the characters and the casting. And that still maintains because it's the same fucking crew. So we got season three. There have been two episodes. The first episode though, we only had Michael and then we had all new characters. And because of that, I thought it was outstanding. And the direction like the other characters. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. The direction that they're writing it in is, uh, you know, they're in the future and there's all kinds of things going on. I won't get into like Starfleet, you know, the, we don't know the about status of Starfleet. And, A lot of mystery. And, and the one Starfleet officer that was in an, like an abandoned outpost is so satisfying. There's so many things in it that I loved. And then yeah. you get to season or episode two, which was, you know, a few days ago and we see, we see the discovery again. And then I'm starting to go like, Oh yeah, I don't like these people. You know, I really don't like these people and I just want <laughs> as little of them as possible or right. they need to be entirely rewritten, which is possible by the way, the first seasons of TNG, a lot of the characters had characters different did, affects yeah. than different they eventually uniforms, did. Different combination of, of Troy changed quite a bit. Um, obviously, uh, Dave, Data changed quite a bit. Um, Worf changed a, a significant amount. Times, yeah. um, these are choices that they made. Someone made at some point. And so I have faith that they will write this. But I think there's just so much ego. There's a lot of ego related right, to how these right. characters are. And um, and I, I don't know <clears throat> where they get their feedback from, but I, I just don't. Well, I don't agree with most of their characterizations. It, it also feels to me like they should have jumped on this that we're talking about earlier. Uh, and I'm not saying they couldn't still do it, but like you were talking about TNG, I really think the first season is where they were finding their footing. I think the tone of the show catches by like season three, but I yeah. still think they had the characters pretty established by a season in, like by the time yeah. they're in season That's two. I mean, Seinfeld true, yeah. speaks to this, right? Like if you want to go back and watch the first season of Seinfeld, totally different show, first four or five episodes, Kramer is a different person. Right. And he ends up right. being like the most famous character probably from the show, but he's a different person. Um, so I think early on is the time to address it. I don't know why they didn't. Um, I agree with you. Season one was my favorite season. I don't know that that it was like that much better than anything else on discovery. I still don't love it, but I think like you said, the reason I think I liked it more is like, we didn't have to see any of those guys. It was just Michael following her new adventure. I wanted to mention the scene at the end too, where like the one Starfleet officer is still there at the outpost waiting. I thought that was very powerful and it made me realize we talk about star Wars and star Trek a lot. And the difference is the thing that really does unify those two kind of epic, huge sci-fi series that have lived on for so long is the idea of hope, uh, Mm -hmm. which is a powerful, I mean, it can be cliche. It can be funny, but just like Shawshank Redemption, I mean, hope is like, 
you know, if you don't value that and you don't see yeah. the power in that, I, I don't know that you're a human being. And them talking at, talking at the end really reminded me a lot of the Rogue One movie, which I know mm-hmm. is not maybe the most popular Star Wars movie of all time. But that idea of just like, look, man, we got nothing else. It's stripped down. Mm-hmm. But that idea of not giving up and hope is universal, you know, and is in every person and has to move you on some level unless right. you're completely dead inside. So I thought that season episode one of season three was the, very powerful for that The concept of building up from nothing is very good. And yes. that's yes. why this season, if it truly allows that to be where it is, you know, they're really figuring everything out from zero. Um, you know, Ryan Johnson tried to do that with Last Jedi. You know, he stripped it down to everyone's on the same ship. All right, this is what's remaining. And then obviously J.J. blew it up by not allowing that. By committee. By committee, too. We should give him I mean, some credit. Because everything I've heard was like he got a thousand notes and had to answer all of them and sure. wasn't going to work. But sure. Anyway. But yeah, similar vibe of like, you know, it, it's very satisfying when you can start from nothing and still win. Um, if so, we do successfully restart, start, if the rest of the show really is like we've got to reestablish in the future, my question would be, do the opening credits now transition to it's been a long road. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> from there to here. I, I, I think CBS will, will not allow it. Please. Um, they could finally air your uh, Star Trek uh, uh, TV spot, man. Your your advertisement that you put oh, out. Oh, sure, sure. Which well, is fantastic. Uh, well, I could I could mention that really quick. So I listened to the, the Next Conversation podcast. That's what I made that for was for – that that wonderful podcast and um and they uh, they shouted me out a couple of days ago. I'll play it really quick. That's awesome. Um, well deserved. They, I mean, obviously they they if I send in a nicely produced thing, I'm sure they they um, are inclined to play it. But I wasn't right, sure. Right. Uh, and then Kelly Newman uh, sent one in also. Uh, hi, man, Andy. Here's my take on this madness. It began as a mission about a wormhole. Thing. <laughs> Counselor Deanna Troy. And Already laughing on you. <laughs> but became something more personal. I haven't been able to stop thinking about you all day. (laughs) An all-new Star Trek, The Next Generation. Dude, that's fantastic. Really, really well done. That is delightful. Thank you so So much for making that. Thank you, Kelly Newman. Thank you, uh, Juniper. I really appreciate Um, you going through the effort of doing that dumb thing I wanted to do. (laughs) Feel free to send in your... (laughs) Fake emotional trailers of TNG or whatever Star Trek has episode. to be cut to a terrible pop song. Everyone, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you got you got a delightful out of them, which I think is yeah. the ultimate standard for for really touching their souls. Sure, I the yeah. the power of that clip that you put together is that I was not watching this time and I could still see it from the times I watched <laughs> it. So that's why it's, it's very so simple. strong. It's man. Very it's simple. so good. Yeah, yeah. It's so fun. Um, thanks very uh, really, much. Really and good. you know, yeah. when I have some free time, I'll make some more of those. But uh, sure, man, those I started great. with the, with the main one. Um, so a couple other TV shows really quick, um, that, uh, that are new, um, haunting of Bly Manor I'm getting through. That's, mm. uh, so far quite good. I like it. Good? Okay. Um, there is a new, uh, documentary show about the Nexium cult, like the vow just ended Ugh. and that was like a many, many part, 
you know, uh, documentary series. Now there's a new one called Seduced, which is on Showtime, um, that is from a different point of view of, you know, one of the girls that was in it. Um, and so that's a new show. Um, we got a new season of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Right, saw that, That's yeah. more shit to watch. Um, and then uh, there's a new season of My Next Guest Needs No Introduction, the David Letterman Saw that too, show. yeah, I want to get to that um, eventually. It's just, it's packed, you know, there's so many shows, but I just want to end with what is my new favorite show <laughs> for the moment um, is How To with John Wilson. Have you heard of okay. this? I don't know this one. So this is a guy named John Wilson who has this little documentary series that is going to be six episodes, executive produced by Nathan Fielder. Um, I'm already and in. Say no it more. Is in the same vein, it is as if like Nathan for you and like Napoleon Dynamite or something got together and made a documentary series. Awesome. Um, and so it is essentially this guy, John Wilson, tells you how to do things. And the first episode is how to engage in small talk. And so, <laughs> so it is for it is the it is Adam one Arez, of the most listening. surreal fever dream weird shit shows I've ever seen that is so basic. Like there's nothing to it. And uh and I mean I was very high when I watched yeah. the first episode yeah. and I would recommend that because it's this it's that kind of show. But um <laughs> it's incredibly engaging. Again, Adam Arez, I hope you're listening fascinating fascinating stuff um so how to with john wilson highly recommend that it's on hbo max um awesome yeah uh, that's 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 all all i got for tv there's uh plenty plenty of news but go ahead yeah let me let me say last little thing i'll put the button on it i I know we've recommended this before but um uh i'll be gone in the dark uh that finished a while back but um and and i was this is not something since last episode i'm talking about but i just wanted to again kind of in the spirit of everything we're talking about just yeah. a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal series. Um, yeah. And then we finished Lovecraft Country that came to an end mm-hmm. after season one. How'd and, you like it? I you know, I think you probably made the right choice in, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, in, in watching. And and that's not Thank to say it's not good because, because it <laughs> yeah. is. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and I'm, look, man, I'm probably a little bit inclined to stay on board and I probably will just because like I do sort of believe in kind of the – movement of more like black faces on screen and like, course, you know, yeah. the idea of the allegory of monsters and racism kind of blending. I like so many things about the idea of it sure. that I'm, that I'm really into it. And just the idea of like a Lovecraftian sort of world. Um, but yes, the, the first episode was the one that everybody should see whether you want to continue or not. And then I would say probably of the 10 there, I think there are two other episodes in the season um, that are, not on that level, but like are just like, yeah, yeah, absolutely worth my time. And mm-hmm. then the other ones, no, no terrible episodes, no bad episodes, but just right. just OK. And there's so many things to watch. Um, we'll probably get back on board. I think Jess was thinking it was a limited series and it was going to end. And I think that was part of the reason she was like, yeah, let's definitely. I mean, if, if I it. knew that it was a limited series like Watchmen was or whatever, I probably yeah. would have been more yeah. inclined to just watch it through. But the fact is when they – set these shows up to be long running. Um, it, it just takes so much of the interest out of my head, you know? So, right. I don't know. Right. I don't know. So anyway, um, um well, well anyway, that's cool. We finished that. So that's, that's TV. Um, so a couple of news bits, um, the Star Trek convention, which, you know, didn't happen in August and then they moved it to, to, to December and obviously it's not going to happen in December now. So they've now moved it to August of next year, which makes sense. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, uh, last year we, we reported live from the convention. Yeah, I'm on board um, again if we can travel we'll, when it starts we'll in August. Again next August. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it would be nice. Hope so. Um, We'll see. Quibi shut down. I'm sure you heard about that. Um, You know, Quibi spent billions of dollars on original content and then, you know, is shutting down. Um, And, you know, the one bummer there, I don't give a shit about Quibi because I'm not going to subscribe to that service on my phone and everything. But uh, it's just a bummer that one of their original shows was a reboot of Reno 911 with most of the original cast. And it's like no one saw that. No one One was going to – you know, I love Reno 911 and they – you know, if that were available in a more realistic platform, I mean, I get it. They're trying to make a new platform, but people are sick of your new platforms. You know, people don't want a new platform um, and they're resistant to spend money on it. So it's just it's just too bad uh, that it ended up there. Um, Netflix canceled Glow, which is a real big bummer. I'm super bummed about that. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the fans are reaching out. Yeah, a lot of going, people are. Upset. Can you just give us maybe a movie to wrap it up or something? Because, you know, they canceled it. They didn't let it end. And uh, I'm not really sure why. Uh, it's just, I guess, scheduling and filming and all that stuff with COVID. But still, whatever. Right. It's a little right. frustrating. Um, there's a great commercial out right now for um, advanced auto parts. Uh, who is the exclusive retailer that sells Die Hard brand batteries? Yeah, I saw that. Did you see the Die Hard commercial? Yeah. Can I tell you my thoughts? Because I enjoyed <laughs> yes. the commercial a lot, it's, and obviously silly, anything but Die Hard I, I enjoy. Go ahead. But in having finished the commercial, I immediately texted our friend Rachel. Yep. Um, and said, "Big Die Hard. Do you think Rachel's. that? Do you think that Bruce Willis remembers how to play John McClane anymore?" And we both said, "Definitely not." I mean, we'll always love him for knowing, but I honestly think it's looking back and knowing everything we know now, kind of behind the scenes. I think it's kind of a miracle that Die Hard Two and especially Die Hard with a Vengeance are as good as they are, right? Because you know, I think you were with me. I think we went to a double feature at the Egyptian back when you go to theaters yep. for Die Hard and Die Hard Two. Right. And if I'm remembering correctly, the director said, you know, we had to sort of strong arm Bruce into saying "Yippee ki yay, motherfucker," because his quote. Bruce said, my character would never say that. (laughs) And we said, Bruce, that's become the catchphrase. It was so popular in in the the first first movie. movie. (laughs) And like, and and he did not seem to be fucking around by any accounts. He seemed to really believe that. And they got him to do it by having him shoot a bunch of different things. Now, I think by the third one, he said it. Obviously, he said it a million times since then. But um, but yeah, it's just one of the it's a weird legacy that Bruce has with Die Hard. He's a weird Um, guy. And it's fun that he did this this commercial. But but at the same time, you can see him not really knowing <laughs> who how this started in this commercial even to me. Well, anyway, you could you could apply that same logic sort of to uh, uh, Patrick Stewart playing Picard. He played Picard last in Nemesis, and he was never really Picard in the mo- in the movies that much. But you know, he, he sort of was. It was kind of a different version of him. And then uh, you get this Picard series, where right. he's an old has been. And um, it just really seemed like he forgot who that character was, but is not going to admit it because he is Picard as far as he's concerned. So whatever he does is how you yeah, play Picard, yeah, yeah. I think, is how he probably feels about it. And that's probably I, this how is Bruce not feels an excuse. about it too. This is not an excuse for the show, for right. sure. This is not an excuse for the show, but I think I really believe those guys and those actors get different directives for the movies and the TV shows. So I don't think it's all them. Um, I, I believe that, um, I mean, if you can do this with the original series, which is obviously, you know, 20 years before the movies, but 
those the original series movie the original cast movies are like my favorite star trek mm-hmm. but they're world sure. different than they exist on their own and they're you know there are some callbacks but come on like they're, none of the characters are really totally the same um anyway this is a whole long conversation that sure. we don't have to jump into right now but uh <laughs> but yeah anyway diehard commercial was fun <laughs> yeah and, yeah uh, it was a fun you know. thing um well i got some uh, trailers and up upcoming stuff uh next week we get the we get the mandalorian back weekly show that's very exciting um we got uh, a bunch of new trailers you know i went to that movie the kid detective uh the other day and um there was a new free guy trailer there was a death of the nile death on the nile trailer which is the saw that one essentially the new one from uh, kenneth brana um after he did murder on the uh, orient express um we got a new wonder woman trailer we got a new uh uh, the Ghostbusters trailer was the same trailer. Um, and then there was a trailer for something called Monster Hunter, which uh, <laughs> yeah. s- seeing yeah. it on the big screen, I was just like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. It's Mila. Resident jo- Evil herself. Uh, what's her name? Jovovich? Uh, Jovovich. Mila yeah. Jovovich. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exa- I was like, is this Resident Evil? But it's just a movie called Monster Hunter. <laughs> I mean, it screen. is Resident Evil. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, again, this is the thing I always bitch about. Just make Monster Hunter that's a version of that but feels a little fresher. You can take all the same elements. Yeah. I'd rather have exactly. that than the 13th sequel, so I'm not going to I would about 100% it. agree with you. Um, we got a trailer for something called The Prom, which is a Ryan Murphy-directed musical. Got to talk about Netflix. this Netflix. On December 11th. Um, and the reason we got to talk about it is uh, our friend Chet is in the trailer. Shout out to Chet Dixon. Yeah, he um, he is an actor in L.A. and a wonderful musician. Um, and uh, he's in a scene with Meryl Streep in the trailer. Directly awesome. speaking to Meryl Streep. Talking, I mean, literally the cut back and forth. And it's a lot of fun. And definitely check out that trailer. Hotel front desk uh, attendant. And, yeah. Uh, and it's just it's great to see you, Chet. That's great. Uh, and my favorite <laughs> moment uh, for any of Chet's appearances that we've watched is still the Geico uh, commercial. Oh, um, I forgot it. The weightlifting one? The weightlifting. I, I mean, totally There'll never be anything that. funnier yeah. than that. Switch in to get more. Um, so definitely check out that commercial, yeah. too. Just You can just Google it, Geico weightlifting, um, right. because that's a lot of fun, too. But th- this was Beefcake. really cool to see him yeah. directly across you know the counter from, from, from Meryl. Meryl. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's come on. That's just a clean that's, that's, Yeah, I remember I played that scene with Pacino. Um, it's yeah. kind of that sort <laughs> exactly. of thing where even exactly. if you're just in the one scene. Um, so we'll definitely be checking that one out. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun to see him. And um, it just yeah. sounds so stupid to say proud because you have nothing to do with it. But, you oh, know, you course. see a buddy in something and you're like, ah, a little tinge of pride That's there. awesome. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, there's a movie coming out called News of the World. Did you see that trailer? Hell yes, um, I did. You know I'm a Western fan. With, and Tom yeah, Hanks it's a Western with Tom Hanks. One. Directed by Paul Greengrass. So uh, that's All a cr- of that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the trailer made me excited and I can't wait. So That'll be in theaters on Christmas. So I'm excited for all the movies that are coming in theaters because even though we don't have theaters open in L.A., we have them nearby. And I'm, yeah, I, I just got to – I gotta, you know, do my best to get to him. Right. Um, we're getting. Oh, and uh, this was in the news category. Dune uh, moved yet again from December to October of next year. So, like, oh, God, we thought that, that was gonna be in 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 uh, Christmas time, and uh, now it'll be next October. So crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Interesting so, how far they're jumping. They're not even doing the, yep, yeah, we'll try summer and then we'll get back to exactly. fall if we don't. They're it's going directly all the way to October, which uh, is a weird time. Uh, I don't, I don't know about that, but whatever. 
Um, there's a couple of new shows coming out. Animaniacs is coming back November 20th. What a great trailer for Animaniacs. <laughs> really, really, man. really good. Uh, I mean, well done to those guys just for yeah. the trailer. Because if you have who knows that if one the out, show will up. be of that quality? Yeah, who knows? But the trailer is so good. Um, and there's a show. This is a weird one. So you know who Tim Heidecker is from Tim and Eric? Awesome show. Good job and yeah, yeah, great yeah. job and yeah. and uh, and. Uh, Many other things. John C. Riley is very often in his projects. And there is a new show called Moonbase 8, which will be on Showtime on November 8th. So that's like two weeks from now. Okay. Starring John C. Riley, Tim Heidecker, and Fred Armisen as three people heading up a moon uh, research project, moon based research project on Earth for NASA. And it is with Tim Heidecker involved. There's no reason that it shouldn't be hilarious. And John C. Riley and, and Fred Armisen too. There's no reason that this shouldn't be like hard comedy. Right. Right. But the trailer makes it look incredibly earnest and straightforward. And uh, it's very weird. The tone feels way too eerily close to Space Force. Um, and right. that's what I would think. Yeah. Yeah. It like looks like space force. Um, so I don't really get it. Uh, I don't know what they're doing, um, or why they think it will succeed, um, with this group of people. Um, but I would go check out the trailer and tell me if you think it looks funny, but it much like space force didn't really laugh at anything in the trailer for space force. Then I watched all of space force and I enjoyed it. But I also was like, eh, they're not really taking any chances here, right. um, and that's kind of how this feels. So I don't, I don't really get it. But Moonbase Eight okay. coming soon. All right. um, and well, we'll uh, see, I guess. yeah, there's a couple of uh, other things. Soul, the Pixar movie, moved to Disney Plus instead of theaters, so that'll be uh, out at Christmas on Disney Plus. Um, we got a trailer for something called Fat Man that looked really cool, um, where. I feel like you did. Uh, I think you sent it to me. Mel Gibson plays uh, oh, Santa. Uh, I've retired, already forgotten the title. <laughs> Mel Gibson plays a retired <sighs> Santa Claus. This brings us to another it, movie where looked- they've stolen Patrick's idea. <laughs> uh, this keeps fucking happening. And for you gotta, our you gotta listeners, write, you got to write it. I gotta, gotta write it. Gotta get somebody to buy these pieces of shit. <laughs> this one's written. This is a completely produced, fully, yeah. fully written script. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, did you keep send going. It in to the WGA. I'll loop around. I, uh, hey, I've registered it. You know. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that's anyway. good. Um, and we got the trailer for Mank, <clears throat> which is the new David Fincher movie about Herman Mankiewicz. That's. Uh, uh, it looks pretty good. Very excited I mean, for that as well. It's black and white, and it's 30, 30s, 40s era um, story of the. A very prolific screenwriter uh, who wrote Citizen Kane and other stuff, and um, I don't know. I love Fincher, I'm so I'm, I'm yep. super excited. And that's uh, December fourth on Netflix. We were watching um, and that, and I wouldn't shut up. I was telling Jess all about Citizen Kane and kind of giving the background. She was like, "Okay, just let me watch the fucking trailer and shut the <laughs> yeah, fuck up," right. which is understandable. <laughs> that's that is fair. I would have felt the same way. Um, and uh, and I think that's it for news or for trailers, upcoming kind of shit. Um, well, do you have anything you, to add? Since to that you led section? me into that, I do yeah. now that um, shoot now that you you brought up Fat Man, um, right. which again, yes, I did send you because. It's time for a very quick third edition of Patrick's Pitch. Oh, here we um, go. 
for this idea that was not really stolen from me because it's different, but it's, you know, similar in, in tone and idea. Sure. Mine was a lot more campy, but um, I wrote a script called Jingle Bell Shotgun Shells. Right. And please tweet at us if you'd like to see this made. We'll start the uh, <laughs> we'll start the uh, accounts and see what kind of money we can uh, we can raise here. Right, right, right. By fan base, but um, you picture a desolate, very Mad Maxian um uh world that you know nuclear kind of kind of wasteland, um, and you're on, you're on the road, you know, and it seems that it's snowing. In actuality, it is just ash uh, and human flesh that is raining down. Um, and then these threadbare ripped apart black boots step along the pavement and we're dragging the big giant red sack behind us. And, uh, we kind of tilt the camera up and there's a very Billy Bob Thornton ish looking emaciated, uh, Santa Claus, um, a fighter at this point, if you will, because in the world that has fallen, he now drags behind him a sack full of weapons, everything you could possibly imagine. Um, and kind of comes along across the bridge. I'm really just pitching you the opening scene here and, of course, there's a, a group of uh, of Nazis, possibly mutated uh, Nazi group, because those are a good good bad guy, and ends up taking them out, you know, in our early opening action sequence, and steals their trop- chopper. And from that point on, he's riding along the road with the giant sack. You can kind of picture a um, a sort of a Grinch stole Christmas giant size sack hanging on the back of the bike. Not really sure how it's balancing, but you know, this is magic. Um, and uh, the the basic idea is, you know. Santa's kind of lost his way. If he doesn't have gifts to, to deliver, you know, there, there is no purpose for Santa Claus. And I think a purposeless existence is a, is a little difficult. So he's completely lost his faith. Um, and he finds a little girl. And of course, being on the nose and being the kind of writer I am, her name is Hope. And we talked about the theme of Hope before. Uh, and, you know, he re, kind of rediscovers his purpose and has a more sort of adult version, in my opinion, of faith. Uh, in saying, you know, I'm just going to protect this girl in this world. Like, that's my mission now. And she is looking for the last city, which is a trope in all these zombie sort of apocalypse movies. But, you know, the last city of civilization, kind of like I Am Legend, where there are people and there are smart people and we got to find that. He doesn't really believe in it, but he starts to search for it because she's with him and now he wants to keep her happy and all this stuff. Uh, Hijinks ensue. You know, there's a, there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of double crosses, stuff like that. And we do have Nazis and we do have zombies. And ultimately, Santa is left questioning whether or not he really is Santa Claus or these are memories that have stayed in his mind. But due to trauma, uh, perhaps he actually just dressed as Santa Claus in uh, Christmas parties and he remembers that part of his life. So that's kind of where we land. And and are you Santa Claus or, you know, do you decide to be Santa Claus, uh, which to me uh, in, in a very kind of silly uh, package, um, that's a very real theme. Um, that is the basic gist of Jingle Bell shotgun shells and trying to make it to this city and protect this little girl and figure out whether or not we have uh, we have Santa Claus in our presence uh, rip roaring down the road in this apocalyptic wasteland on a chopper. Um, and Mel Gibson's version of this fat man is not going to be the same thing, but I'm going to see it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think if that movie can get made, then uh, my movie should be made. Um, and again, please. Uh, send letters to any producers you know and let them know that the script is ready, ready to shoot. Very good. Nice pitch. Patrick's well pitch, done, buddy. Part three. <laughs> None of these have it. been actual pitches, by the way. They're very patchy, but, you know, you get the idea. So, Absolutely. Anyway. Um, it's it's very fun to be told a story. I like it. <laughs> That's what uh, I do. That's all I do at, very the, at this point. Um, well, uh, I want to transition now into uh, some Rotten Tomatoes scores. 
Hell yeah. We're going to do some Halloween-y type shit. Of course. Um, and uh, Oh, and I just want to say that uh, coming up, uh, on Halloween day, I hadn't had a plan, but Lori planned this. Um, we're going to go see Poltergeist at the Greek Ooh. theater. It's a drive-in. And so Synespia is doing a bunch of like m- movies around Halloween. So I'd recommend anybody in the LA area, check out Synespia's, um, tickets for their drive-ins. Um, we're doing Poltergeist on the 31st. Um, and I've never seen that one. So I was going to ask you yeah, if you had gotten yeah, to that one as well. It's okay. just I haven't seen any other classic. But after after this year, I think I'll have seen them all. Um, my dad's um, good friends, uh, John and Jane Walston. We grew up with their <clears throat> their mm-hmm. family. I think you've met Jason, sure. And uh, uh, her husband loved they they both loved horror movies, and but then would scare the shit out of themselves. And uh, he went to see Poltergeist. I think with my dad years and years and years ago, uh-huh. and came home. And uh, Jane had turned off all the lights in the house and was waiting awake. And it was like you know eleven thirty, getting home at night. She told him she'd gone to sleep, and she to his. Just for his version of the story, she scared him worse than he's ever been scared in his entire life. Uh, mask on, you know, everything in the, sure. in the dark. So I aspire to that kind of relationship. That's good. Good for them. Yeah, it was fun. It's very, it was fun. very anyway, good story. Uh, let's do, um, uh, let's do Rotten Tomatoes. Though. So I'm going to start us with Halloween 1978. Oh, Halloween. Okay. Um, I'm going to say critics for Halloween gave it up. 82 and audiences gave it a 88 96 and Holy 89 shit. very close on the audience Wait, audiences are lower than yeah, critics i couldn't i couldn't believe the critics score is 96 i i knew critics would appreciate again the sort of the indie very yeah. kind of uh, being able to shoot this on but at the same time i also thought for because it was 1978 i think for that movie and i yeah. i would have thought I don't know. I guess I always feel like critics up to that point had a real aversion to like perverted like violence. Do you well, know what I mean? Fair. Like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know no, why. No. Like, but I feel like we've kind of come around on that much more recently. Well, like, I would agree. That not. seemed like an incredibly high number, but whatever. Um, it's kind what of about? perfect in its simplicity, though. If you think about it, it kind of invents the slasher film. Like I think yeah. um, Black Christmas or something preceded it, but I don't, people don't know about that one as much as Halloween. Yeah. So anyway, Halloween two thousand eighteen. Oh, okay. Um, I feel like this was pretty well received too, but I can't be can't be in that same range. Um, let's say critics gave the new Halloween a eighty two, and audiences gave it a seventy eight. Very close, seventy nine and seventy. Okay, okay. Yeah, you. Yeah, that's that's that is not a surprise. The first one, one was a surprise. One of my favorites, Casper. Oh, Casper, I feel like you and I and definitely Jess are all going to appreciate this more than critics <laughs> yeah. and audiences. I think critics gave Casper a 68 and I think audiences gave it a 78. 51 and 49. Oh, wow. Critics yeah. did not, or audiences no, did not care for that. Nothing special there. No, Kids did. Kids there. did. If you were a kid in that era, yeah, 100%. you dug it. It was um, the greatest That's just thing. what it is. And yeah. I'll never forget, I'm just now remembering this, um, but after that movie came out, that was, let's see, what year was that? 95? Where does it say the year? Ugh. Where does it say the year? That's not when it came out. Release date streaming. It was like ninety five. Oh it was like ninety five or something. There's no year on this entire page. Um, I'm telling anyways, you, it's I, th- I, th- I think it is ninety five. Like yeah. Um, anyway, so the point is that uh, when that came out, there is a 
a bunch of the props were set up at Universal Studios. Ah, um, right. And I think they had some of the like set pieces and shit. And I just remember being a kid and like there's there's the the bottle of liquid that he uses to put uh-huh. into the machine. Uh-huh. And the bottle of liquid had like just like a line drawn on it. And I think that there wasn't any liquid in it. I think it was a CG liquid in the bottle. And <laughs> a I just 1995 CG. <laughs> my mind was blown by yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Anyways. Um, Jess um, okay. is, before we move on, Jess is yeah. uh, one of her all time favorite lines. Uh, and it is a pretty sweet line is the, can I keep you line from Casper where, you know, the, can oh, so cute. Yeah, yeah so cute. Yeah, adorable. Anyway. Also, super creepy. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> super creepy. And that's um, just adorable, super yeah. cute, and a little creepy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so next up, The Exorcist. Uh, I mean, I think this is a all-timer for everybody. I'll say, I'll say critics gave The Exorcist uh, 93 and audiences gave it a 96. Um, you're about 10 points high, uh, 83 and 87. Oh, okay. So, hey, maybe I'm, you know, maybe we're all overestimating it is what it is. how many lists it lands on. But Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, Hocus Pocus. <laughs> another of, another of my girlfriend's all time favorites. Of course. Um, once again, I do not think the, uh, the rankings are going to reflect how beloved this is for some people. I think, right. uh, critics, I'll say critics 62 and I will say audiences like 74. 37 oh, and, and 71. Jeez. You were pretty close. Okay. Yeah, I knew audiences yeah, yeah. were going to be 30, 70s. 37. Like yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> man, did critics not come out for that one? Holy cow. Okay. I watched this for the first time, by the way, this week. So Hocus Pocus? Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, you're it's coming cute. to it too late. Too, I, too late. I, I've yeah, come to it way too late. That is not one I grew up with. Yeah. I mean, and I couldn't care less. But, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I'm positive if I saw as a kid. Yeah, it yeah. would be, you'd just be it one of those be ones, like same as Labyrinth, ones. like you said, all those things. A hundred percent. And lastly, Scream, 1996. Ah, yeah. I think uh, critics were on board for this meta-ness. So um, let me say, I'll say critics, 88, and audiences, 91. 78 and 79. Oh, wow. Okay. Again, yeah, a little I'm, low, I'm, but, I'm well uh, over on most of these, actually. Um, yeah. Well, that's my that's my run for Halloween. Um, I think uh, if we did we've it. learned anything, uh, that horror is a huge genre, and yeah, uh, it is not to be taken lightly because there's a million styles within that genre. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I just got to very much them. like we're we're big sci fi fans, and I think very much like that. If you are a genre movie fan, you know mm-hmm. your genre is never going to work for everybody. Uh, yeah. You know, horror is not going to work for everybody. Definitely, I'm not a giant horror fan, but but the people who do love those movies, whether it's your hard sci-fi guy or you're a horror guy or you're a fantasy guy, um, I don't know that there are more passionate fans than there are for genre films and particularly horror. I mean, there are absolute horror cinephiles that just yeah. have seen – like us with Bond. They have seen all of the bad versions of Halloween and they own mm-hmm. them all. You know, they have seen all yep. of the bad – of all of their series. Um, so uh, credit to them for, uh, well, you know, once you, you love you something, love, yeah, uh, you probably love it better. unconditionally. Of course. So. Of course. Yeah. Stay in there. Um, let's uh, talk hidden gems. You got one? Uh, I do. I actually, um, I'm cheating a little bit. We didn't do hor- uh, hidden gems a couple weeks ago. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I actually have two hidden gems. Go for it. And they are both uh, uh, scary themed, but uh, due to the times, 
One is Halloween and horror themed and the other is uh, election and horror themed. <laughs> um, and the Halloween hidden gem that I am throwing out there, which again, I understand is a movie that I love because I grew up watching it. Yeah. But it is Ernest Scared Stupid, which uh, you <laughs> and I have discussed um, before. Uh, Scott, I think Scott, our friend Scott, is probably the only other person that I've talked to who remembers watching this as a kid. And truly how frightening it was. But I what don't think I've seen any Ernest movie. You don't need to see any of them but this one. Um, Did since we watch like, this? What's that? Did we watch this together at some point, though? I thought we did, but maybe you maybe, weren't in that group. May, no, it, it's, if it's it is, the troll it's so that comes and he is stealing children's uh, souls and he's turning them into these little statues. And he's got to steal a certain number of souls to put them in the base of this tree that he was buried under back in like the 1700s or 1600s, <laughs> back in like the witch trials and stuff, I in order to grow this. his children from these trees, right? So okay. this is a kid's movie and this is an earnest movie. Sure. But what's fun about it is it starts back in the old colony days and Ernest P. Oh, Worrell's great, 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 great grandfather catches him and buries him alive. And he says, all of your children, descendants will become dumber and dumber until they can't do anything. And it explains <laughs> the origins of Ernest. And this is like five films into the Ernest series, which was yeah. like 10 movies long and all very cheaply made and everything else. Yeah. But it cuts straight directly to, you know, a day before Halloween in this little town where he's the, the trash truck driver, you know, or whatever right. trash man. And, you know, these kids stumble through this kind of backyard and this very old creepy lady with the haunted house. And she's been protecting this tree for all this time. And they awaken the demon by finding the book and saying, you know, the the old trope saying it and bringing him back. And Ernest has to kind of battle this uh, this troll and the troll design, while silly, is still scary. Like if you watch it as an adult, you're like, yeah, this would this would really terrify yeah. kids. So it is a comedy, but it is a horror comedy. And, it, and it's very scary. And there is a particular scene where the troll is under a kid's bed or kind of shows up in their room to, to steal them that uh, Scott has talked about is to this day, the scariest scene he's ever seen in a movie oh, because shit. he was never that frightened. Yeah, and yeah. I remember as soon as he started talking about it, I was like, dude, me too. I had nightmares for weeks, but, but a funny, stupid, silly movie. Of course, it's going to be juvenile and everything else. Yeah. But in my opinion, the one kind of earnest movie that still is actually worth watching um, in the spirit of Halloween and this time of year. The cool. other hidden gem that I have is the movie Election <clears throat> with Reese Witherspoon <laughs> and Matthew Broderick, sure. um, which feels more relevant with each passing year. I realize that is a, you know, like a school election type situation, but I think definitely worth watching. I think it's one that like made a splash and has kind of been forgotten now. It's one of our friend Adam's favorites, but, um, but also worth watching. And if, if you can stand to have a little more sort of political conniving and backstabbing and all that kind of stuff, um, it, it's a really, really great film as well. So those are my two hidden gems this week. Um, couldn't be more different, but, uh, but both equally terrifying in my opinion, Ernest scared, stupid and election. That's great. Um, what about you? the one I have is, uh, I think currently on Hulu, uh, and it's, uh, starring Ryan Reynolds. We all love him. Uh, he made this movie called Buried in 2010. Yeah, I don't know. Saw it. Oh you my remember God. it? Yeah, it's uh, that's not really horror, but it um, it's uh, you know it's un- unsettling. Uh, and it what's unique about it is that it's all in uh, a coffin. Essentially, he gets buried yep. alive, yep. and he's got to figure out how to get out. So the whole movie's just in this fucking box. So it's a very interesting movie, just conceptually. And uh, I remember really, really enjoying it and thinking, how could this be good? But it, it really does hold up. I agree. Um, and I would say so, it's horror, too. It's definitely horrific. It definitely is in that yeah vein. So um, now streaming on Hulu. Uh, I think that's all I got. You got anything else? 
Um, no, Godspeed, everybody. Yeah, uh, happy Halloween. Safe. Yeah, happy Try Halloween. To have, some have fun. fun. Have some candy. Halloween as a kid was always one of my favorites, and you know, I I hated big scares, and I did not like horror stuff. I couldn't even yeah. understand why anybody would want to make a horror movie right. when I was a kid, right. much less watch one. But um, but I always loved dressing up, loved getting into characters and running around. That was always the most fun. And I would, you know, outside of like Christmas as a kid, which is when you get presents, um, Halloween yeah. was always my favorite. It was also shout out to my dad. Um, it was his favorite, and he was born on October 30th. His birthday is coming oh, wow. up. And I think as a child, he he truly believed that Halloween was a dress-up celebration for his birthday for several years when he was a kid. <laughs> um, so he always That's loved cute. Halloween for that reason. And his last big birthday party that he ever had was a big surprise Halloween party that my mom threw him, which went off really, really well um, and was a lot of fun. So anyway, Halloween's great. Uh, this Very year nice. is obviously going to be a little shitty, but um, but have fun, everybody. Eat some candy, watch yep. some fun stuff, and uh, you know, and be safe and all that kind of stuff. Cheers.